What's happening, Hardscapers? This is episode 164 of the How to Hardscape podcast, where we talk about how you can start and grow your hardscaping business. And in today's episode, this is the third community episode podcast, the I Am A Hardscaper community episode, where I take Monday's episode, I take a few points that our guests talked about, go a bit further in depth on those points. I talk about my opinions on those because I don't want to waste our guests time during those episodes to talk about my opinions or to pick apart their points a bit further. I want to try to pull apart as much out of them and their own mindset around business as possible so that these episodes on Thursday, I'm going to be taking to dive a little bit deeper in what our guests say as well as my thoughts, my opinions on these, as well as taking your thoughts and your opinions. If you message me on how to hardscape your thoughts, your opinions on any of our episodes, or when we post a story asking for your thoughts, your opinions on a certain subject, we will be talking about your answers here on these episodes, as well as you can go to speakpipe.com slash how to hardscape and you can leave a voicemail there for us to play on the podcast and we can dive a little bit deeper into your thoughts, your opinions if you go to speakpipe.com slash how to hardscape. In the past episode, I asked you to talk about the impending recession. What are your thoughts on it? How do you think it's going to affect our industry? And what are you doing in your business to prepare for that? So I did get a few responses on that so we'll have that to look forward to once we talk a little bit more about peter and george from oreo landscapings episode they were on monday's episode and they have a lot of great points that they discussed everything from building their team out their beginnings and how they navigated a couple recessions as well as many other things in their business. But let's get into our first audio clip that I pulled from this interview. And this is Peter talking about actually finding the right client for their business, the way that they essentially went ahead with their business after they got done with school and they started to take this a little bit more seriously for their business and really hit the nail on the head in finding the right client and how they went ahead in growing their business with that. So let's hear Peter talk a little bit more about this. We're going to make this much money this summer and we'd make a little bit less and we'd be frustrated and disappointed. And there was one point, I think in 93 or 94 and George and I said, you know what, we're going to, let's just go out of business. Let's raise our prices. Let's, you know, charge what we have to charge to make what we want to make. And if we don't get work, then who cares? We'll shut it down and we'll do something else. And uh, and lo and behold, clients kept hiring us. And the more we charged, the more we could do for our clients, the happier our clients were, and we'd get better jobs. And we realized maybe around the mid nineties that the pathway to success for us was to charge a lot of money and do work for clients that could afford good quality landscaping. And, uh, and that's, that's much better than the clients that are nickel and diming all the time for sure. Now that is most definitely the ideal client that you're looking for in your business. The client that's willing to pay for quality as opposed to nickel and diming you to be able to get that work. 
It might be a little bit more difficult when first starting out your business, but that's the direction that you want to take in order to grow your business for sure. And George and Peter even said that they were willing to go out of business in order to raise their prices to get to that level where they were serving the right clients by charging what they knew they should be charging and by upping their prices. They put it all on the line and they were willing to lose everything. They were willing to go out of business and that was the risk that they identified in their business to take in order to go to the next level in their business. And having that fearlessness to be able to take on that risk is uh, an interesting concept in business in order to make decisions in your business to get to those next levels. And it's something that also comes with a little bit of calculation because they knew the risk. It wasn't like they didn't know what they were getting into with this risk. They identified that doing this could put them out of business, but they weren't willing to continue their business the way they'd done before with what they were charging. They wanted to get those clients that were no longer nickel and diming, that were paying for quality. And even after this, I, even after Peter talks about this, I then asked the question, how do you find those clients then? How did that come about? And essentially the answer is mostly a snowball effect. Once you find one, you typically get that word of mouth going for the next one. And then the next one, as long as you're doing quality work, you're giving those clients the service that they're paying for, the quality of service that they are paying for. And things like branding, having yard signs out, keeping the job site clean, all of those factor into getting that snowball of word of mouth going for those clients that you're looking for. And then George touches a little bit further on this willingness to fail as well as another mistake that they make here. Yeah, so we, we were willing to fail like quickly. And uh, and I think that was the that was the, the catalyst to our success. And then ironically, we, the next big mistake we made was we actually made, I think a quarter million dollar profit or something like that. This was way back then, like 30 years ago and uh, or 28 years ago. And um, maybe more than that, but um, the, the, we took all that money and we basically bought our trucks for cash to save interest because the interest rates were really high. Well, we almost went out of business on cash flow. So that was, that was a big cash flow lesson. So anyway, whatever you can do wrong, um, we've done and survived it. And a cash flow mistake is a, a crucial one and like George says, could definitely easily put them out of business. And I'm not a huge proponent on taking too much debt in your business, but when it comes to not having the cash flow to pay bills, to pay salaries, to play, pay your employees, that can really put you out of business really quickly. And in this case, even though they even mentioned interest rates were super high back then when they were doing this, and that's why they paid for cash on these trucks, if you're in a point in time when you can take on debt to be able to extend your cash flow and you know that that debt is smart debt that you need those two trucks or you need that piece of equipment to get to the next level and you've got work lined up for that piece of equipment it's not just going to sit there that's when you can kind of take that calculated risk in your business to be able to say i've maybe got the cash to be able to put into these pieces of equipment but that's going to bite me in terms of cash flow and not having the cash to be able to 
get myself to the next month, the next few months, whatever it might be. So I'm going to take on a little bit of debt. And this is smart debt because it will be generating me more money and it's not using my money to be able to do that. You're using somebody else's money to be able to leverage that and to then use that equipment to generate more revenue in your business, which should come down to generating more profit because we want profit more than we want to flex our revenue numbers. And then George talks about pricing projects. And I love this topic. If you don't already know, I do love the topic of pricing of financials and hearing him talk about raising his prices to meet the market and where the market says no, he can then bring down his prices in order to get the work and, and find that market fit. Where does the market say no to? But I'll let George explain this a little bit further here. I think way back at the beginning, it was like set at 800 bucks a day or something like that. And I said, you know what? I'm going to make it 1200 see what happens. New customer comes, I use the same method, right? And I didn't understand my costs completely, all those things. And we get the job. And then, um, you know what, let's go for 1500, see what happens. So we had a repeatable method of work. And we would test the market with a standardized price increase. And I think within a year and a half, this is crazy, but we went from like 800 bucks to 2800 bucks. Okay. Same, same job, same type of job, same network. We stopped getting work like completely, like 2,800 bucks. No, like we're done. So we backed it down to 2,500 bucks a day for all that stuff plus materials. And uh, man, we started to make a lot of money. And so fear is, is a, is terrible. It holds you back. And um, you know, nothing's going to change unless you try something. So especially if it's continuing the same old thing. Like the easiest thing you can do is raise your price. It requires zero effort, zero effort. And so I'm, I love zero effort and lots of returns. So <laughs> that's what Peter and I did. So George talks about how he found that market fit for the pricing and he was willing to experiment and to find when clients start saying no. And that's where he knew he had gone too high. He can lower those prices a little bit in order to be able to be in that sweet spot where the market isn't saying no as much as it's saying yes and he's found what he can charge for his services for the quality of work that he's providing so there's a lot of different factors that go into finding that market pricing for your business i like a quote i think it's by sean van dyke the author of profit first for contractors and I will definitely butcher it because I am not good at keeping quotes in my head at all. But it goes along the lines of something like, if your closing rate is too high, then your prices are too low. And there's probably a lot of different ways that you can unpack that to be able to counter what he's got to say there. But essentially that's what he's, he, that quote kind of complements what George is saying here, where he found a point to which his clients, his potential clients started saying no more often than they were saying yes. And he knew he had gone too high in his pricing. But the only way you're going to find that out is if you raise your prices to be able to get to that point. And I don't like saying raise your prices because you don't understand why you're raising your prices. 
I'd like to unpack that a little bit further to find out what costs in your business are you raising in order to provide a better service for your clients that allow you to charge a higher price. So is that a matter of you need to charge more because having a certain piece of equipment will allow you to get the job done faster, which improves the client experience? Or is that a matter of if we charge this amount, we can then hire an office administrator that could keep in touch with clients and make sure that they're happy all throughout the project, prepare them for the project, whatever that might be, or pick up phone calls whenever they come in instead of ignoring every single one because that provides value to our clients. So why are we raising our prices and what are we gonna do with that money? So I'm a big fan of knowing our costs in our business first and then finding that market-based pricing and then adjusting to meet that pricing. But we need to recognize that also market pricing will change based on supply and demand in the market, which brings us to the next topic of a possible recession and what that might look like in our industry. Now, I've talked about this in a past couple of episodes, at least the last Thursday episode, my thoughts, my opinions on a recession in this industry and what this may look like at this current point in time, 2022, about midway through the year. And personally, I don't think our industry will be hit as hard as a recession than when compared to other industries. Uh, depending on how it does progress, obviously that's just my thoughts, my opinions on this point in time as I look at it right now, because I think about the demand that we've been under the, the past two years, how it hasn't been fulfilled, and that could spill over even when we get into a recession, because there's still lots of clients out there that save money smartly leading up to this surge in demand, couldn't find the right contractor, and then even during this two-year period of high demand, continue to save their money and now are willing to spend that money once the demand slows down and they'll be able to pop in there. Those are just my quick thoughts on this, especially since a lot of companies, myself included, are quite booked out anyways with that. But let's hear Peter talk about their recessions that they went through in their experiences. Yeah, the worst, the worst recession for our landscape business was the early 90s. And that was because uh, Canada experienced its real estate crash then. So that was particularly difficult and that's potentially more like what we're about to see than the 2000 recession or the 2008 recession, which were more stock market recessions and uh, the money market recession in the States and the American housing market. Um, the good thing for us in, in the early 90s was we were small and George and I were doing everything. So if we make five bucks less an hour working, if we're making five bucks an hour instead of 10 bucks an hour, we're still not losing money because we're just working harder. Um, in the, as we got bigger, it became a much bigger risk for us, obviously, because now we have uh, staff and overhead to carry. So we potentially could lose a lot of money if things get really bad. Um, but in the 2000 and the 2008 recessions, we were protecting ourselves by making sure we have good cash flow, making sure we have good uh, lease arrangements and financing arrangements with our equipment and our trucks so that we're not ever strapped for cash. 
because you might have a bad year, even if you lost, you know, you lost a hundred thousand dollars in a season. If it's not, if it's a hundred thousand that you have to lose, then your, your business can continue the next year and you can make it back five times over the following year. So have making sure you're not running at the edge all the time. If you have a little bit of money in your business, don't take it out necessarily and go buy yourself a new fishing boat this year. You know, buy yourself a fishing boat if you still have some money left in your business for that rainy day thing. And and uh, and that's been always been our philosophy. In 2008, we were worried how big it was going to be because it got really bad in the States. And we weren't sure how it was going to be up here. And we made sure that we vertically integrated our company so that we were doing more of our own trucking, more, we did more snow removal. We did more, we did more things to keep our staff busy 12 months of the year, more things to keep our equipment busy 12 months of the year, rather than growing with staff or growing with equipment, we grew with services in our slow periods. You know, we do a lot of renovation work as well. So we were taking on renovation jobs in the winter and that kept staff employed, which meant we didn't have to lay anybody off in the recession. It's more work for us. It's harder to do the, all those extra types of projects in the off season, but it was what we felt would protect our core staff and our core equipment. So we were, we were in good shape then. I mean, now it's a, this is going to be a unique recession and it's possible it's going to be a little bit more painful and a little bit longer. But again, if you're not if you're not fully leveraged with trucks, equipment, and staff and cash flow, then you have some flexibility to weather those. You know, they might have a few hard months. The spring might be particularly hard when you have low cash flow. But if you can get through those really tough periods, you can get across that river. Then there's huge opportunity on the other side. There's so many points that I could pick out in what Peter said here. Essentially, what I get from this is having low overhead, having good financial terms in terms of low debt. And if you are essentially a very small business, you're able to get through something like a recession quite easily as long as you're not over already overextending yourself in your personal life. So if you're already living above your means and something happens that you take a you need to take a pay cut to be able to get through it or you're not getting the same amount of work if you're already living above your means you're not going to be able to get through something like a recession like you said going down from ten dollars an hour to five dollars an hour that was 30 years ago for them so don't take that as right now what they are making but that is a very very good point in terms of balancing your personal life with your business life and to be able to get through something like a market downturn, even when you're small, you're set up for that success, but also in your personal life, being able to set yourself up for success through operating your business. And even doing so, you come out to the other side of a market downturn stronger than ever. And having built a name for yourself during that time and to work on your branding during that time is, is super important. Now, he also talks about how 
with them carrying more overhead and having more employees, it gets more and more difficult to navigate through those certain market downtrends, depending on how that affects their business. So it's definitely much riskier. So having those proper financial leasing terms, low debt and proper cash flow to carry yourself through those difficult times is incredibly important. And even if we aren't gonna be affected too much by a recession coming up, still recognizing that the remainder of the industries around us, or maybe even our industry, will be affected somehow, some way, and that could cause a demand decrease. We just need to be cognizant of that, and this might be a good time to really get our business finances in order and understanding that can help you get through anything that may come our way. It's just a smart way to organize yourself fiscally to be able to get through a market downturn if it were to happen. And it's not necessarily if, it's when, because there will always be these market corrections. It's just part of a healthy economy that when we experience the demand, when we experience the output that we've experienced, not only in our industry, but in the economy in general, these past couple of years, things need, need to correct. Things need to come back to the real world. And this is what we're going to be experiencing, I think, with a market downtrend in general in the economy. And then George has a quick point here to draw further on that, to talk about branding as well. The, yeah, the, other, the other thing I'm gonna add is brand is the antidote to recessions, right? So if you've got a really good brand, right? People don't want to take a risk with some fly-by-night guy and they give a deposit, you know what I mean? Like it, the network and the brand, right? So the brand comes through obviously your visibility, right? So they're aware of you. Uh, it comes with your reputation, right? And, uh, and trust. So at the end of the day, there's still people with tons of money. Like when there's a recession, you know, they talk about growth going from you know, zero to like minus one or something percent, right? But it's only in certain sectors of the economy. Now, there's a psychological component to that. But if you really want something done and you've got $100 million, you're not going to be afraid to spend $200,000 on landscaping. Like it, it's, it's pocket change, basically. So the question is, why are they hiring you instead of the other guy? Well, they, most people in, in, in the 1%, which is who we like to work for, um, they can't, they don't want to lose, uh, and they'd rather pay a bit more to get it right the first time. And I think, um, that perception, even though some smaller company could do it, perhaps the perception is I'm going to go with the brand and it's ironic. Like, uh, in 2008, they had the Mercedes Benz guy, uh, on TV and he said, people can't afford to buy cheap. Oh, wow. That was a great line. Um, you know, and so in my head, Someone's always buying the best and paying a premium and there's value, right? Like I have an iPhone, I paid a big premium for it. And, you know, it's, I, I wouldn't switch anymore. I'm just loyal and they got me. So the UX is great. And, um, and it's the same thing with landscaping and everything else. Brand is massive, right? So um, very important to do great customer service because the referrals are the secret like we barely we spend we spend our marketing is on hr it's not on getting work 
because our brand is so strong that the referral system is so strong it self-perpetuates itself. As long as we do good work, we do great after service, we're going to get more work because people are not worried about whether I'm, you know, $500 more, $1,000 more. They're worried about whether I'm going to show up and do a good job and then take care of them afterwards. So I think that's one of the biggest secrets is to never, never uh, neglect the brand. That's huge. There's so many different aspects of building a strong and successful business. And branding is one of those things like George spoke about here that really helped them get through recessions. That brand building comes down to a lot of different factors in your business. But I want to specifically talk about the quality of service, like he mentioned at the end there. The quality of service that you provide your clients before, during, and after a project will really help set a foundation for your brand and help to control how and what people speak about your business to other people and controlling that word of mouth. And the reason why specifically that is because the work that I've seen done these past couple of years based on my business uh, largely being a repair maintenance style business in the hardscape industry. Uh, that's what I've become known for. That's what a lot of my leads still are, even though I'm working on getting more into the design sp build space, I still get a lot of repair type work. So I see this work that's being done. And because all of the great companies are booked up solid. A lot of the demand has spilled over to less experienced companies. And the work that I've seen done really leads me to believe that those types of companies that are doing poor quality work because they're getting in way over their head with these projects will not stand the test of time. Their brand is really tarnished. The number of pool projects that I've seen this year in particular, that the contractor, the, the homeowner couldn't even get hold of the contractor anymore. There's product on site, the backyard is a mess, the pool is installed and everything around it just looks like a complete disaster. I went to a project today to quote, and this was a client that probably had about 1500 to 2000 square feet of concrete poured along their driveways, on their porch, steps going up to their porch, walkways around both sides of the house. And then in the backyard, they created what looks like a horrible raised patio using poured concrete, about a foot and a foot and a half off of grade. It, it's so bad, the work that they've done, the, the lines aren't straight and not like unnoticeably straight to a homeowner's eyes that may not necessarily be too in tune to that, but like horribly, horribly crooked. The They did a stamped concrete inlay and that is that had actually faded and completely chipped away over a period of less than a year. And this is only a two year old project and they actually came back and parged over top of this stamped concrete inlay. Um, the 
sides of this concrete area look absolutely atrocious and just standing on top of this raised area you can see over top of all of the fences in the area even if you were sitting down in a chair you'd still be able to see over the fence and into the neighbor's yard there's no sense of privacy there's no sense of design with it the client actually said that they knew that they messed up with the contractor when they looked outside and they were knee deep in concrete trying to get the homeowner's attention from inside and letting them know that they they won't be able to do it the way that the homeowner wanted it done and it it's just a sign of how much demand it has been in the market in that perhaps there is a correction coming but also it's this type of work that when there's so much demand that can't be fulfilled by quality companies other companies come in and take up that work that's left over and we're left with lots and lots of repair work i unfortunately can't even overlay this concrete it's so bad it's already cracking in many areas and especially where it has been poured a foot and a half the client did not see a lot of rebar as it was stated in it it's just i don't want to keep going on and on about this but the number of projects that I've gone to this year that have to do with poor quality work and especially contractors not coming back or not being able to get a hold of whether that's they've already gone out of business or they are just they just know now that they're in over their heads and they're not willing to actually face up to their mistakes and to make it right that all goes to tarnish their name and their brand in the industry and for their area that they work in there that's just what i've seen so far especially this year and uh something that kind of came up with what george was saying there with brand and the quality of work that you do and provide before during and after a project for a client all of this were really great points by george and peter of oriel landscaping and for now i want to get into what people were saying to me on Instagram through our story that we put out. If you had opinions on the impending recession, what you think will happen to our industry and what your plans are in your business, we had a few really good responses that I want to share with you here. And if you have a response that you wanna share about anything that I've said on this episode, on previous episodes, whatever guests say, or anything that you want aired out, for the industry you can shoot me a message on instagram let me know that this is what you want aired or you can follow along with us there at how to hardscape when i post this story you can go ahead and post a response to that story we'll air it here or speakpipe.com how to hardscape you can record it right on your phone anything that you want aired out to whoever is listening to this industry about this industry right here on this podcast but in response to what you are going to be doing if we experience a recession, what are your plans or what are your thoughts on an impending recession in the industry? Scott underscore REI says, I plan to hire top talent if a recession occurs. And this is a great point. 
that you know what if a recession occurs if you have the cash flow available this is a great point for you to come out ahead on the other side of a recession even stronger than ever in leapfrogging other companies or other or other steps in your business because equipment will be cheap if people are hurting employees will not be able to be held onto by certain companies but also peter mentioned this in the interview that a lot of their employees were made up of previous business owners that could not quite make it in business whether it was through a difficult time like a recession they then came to work for Oriole Landscaping. So all of this could really play to your advantage if you play it right. Yonick underscore 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 underscore. I don't know how many underscores are in that name, but he says or she says bid higher. If you're cheap, you see and get cheap everywhere you go. And this is a theme that also came up in this podcast episode, as well as the Oriole Landscaping episode, where you they talked about raising their prices in order to get the clientele that really fit with what they were trying to get, not the nickel and diming type of client. So that is a excellent, excellent point and really goes with what we've been talking about with this spaces design and build aaron over there who has been on the podcast for an i am a hardscaper episode a time to get ahead absolutely others will pull back and spaces will be building the brand once again another timely comment there building the brand and when others are pulling back that's when you can pull forward you can pull ahead based on everything that we've talked about here and build that brand of quality service. Brands is what will get you through a recession or a market downturn or just build your business in general. So provide that quality of service before, during and after any project to help build that brand. And one last one that continues off of what everyone has been saying here, as well as what Peter and George said for Oriole Landscaping for their episode, Christopher Lemon, continue to do quality work, provide great customer service, and keep quality relationships. Absolutely, I could not agree any further, and we've already banged this home well enough to be able to say, do quality work, provide quality service, before, during, and after, build that brand, that word of mouth, get those clients that are willing to pay what you are worth, and keep those quality relationships any way you can and you will begin to build a successful business i thank you everyone that submitted a response whether i read it here or not i will definitely get to you sooner or later if you did respond and i missed you i will definitely get to you in the future and if you have anything that you want to say shoot me a message on instagram at how to hardscape respond to one of our stories when we ask a certain question for the podcast or if you have anything at all that you want to say, speakpipe.com slash how to hardscape. You can record a voicemail right on your phone and we'll air it here on the podcast. And I want to just thank you for listening to today's episode. We'll catch you next week on the How to Hardscape podcast.